0: You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us.
1: Like a a care share, like a a, talk to somebody next to you about the value. Because values, um, you kind of talk about them and never waste time talking about them. Values are super important. And if you don't know what your values are, the world and people around you are very quick to tell you what your values should be. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, your values will get completely undermined. Um, Jesus has this saying, he says, it's, it's a, a pity the fool. There's, there's a shame, really, in life if a man, he puts it this way, were to um, gain the world, Jesus talks about, and lose his soul. In other words, you might put it this way, it would be a shame for a person to go after a vision and lose track of their value. It would be a shame for a person to make a goal to be rich, powerful, famous, successful successful athlete and lose who they are to go and get that thing. If we're not careful, we don't know what our values are. Uh, We end up partnering with people, doing things, and wasting time on things that we don't actually care about because we're all out here on the surface level stuff, but we haven't really consulted deeply like what we really want to do or who we really want to be. And that's a problem. It's funny because a lot of uh, websites and and churches included on the front page will put their vision, like this is where we're going, you know? Like we talk about a lot, we're a downtown church. Like we want to be a, a, a church that builds family, that blesses neighbors, that like sees relational rhythms of family, bless Greenville. That's like kind of the essence of what we're trying to do. But if you're not careful of like where you're going, you forget on the way who you're becoming. So for example, how many of you guys would think it'd be a great idea, money aside, we could all just go to Disney World right now? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but does that sound like a fun idea? Would y'all want to go for free, Disney World? I mean, you got things to do, you're busy, Fourth of July? I mean, you guys know that you can go to Disney World, you and me can have the same vision to go to the same place, but we can go there and have a completely different experience because we have completely different values. Some of us are fast people. We can be in Disney World and we're going fast. We got the fast pass, we're going to all the things, we're hitting all the rides, we're doing as many things as possible. How many of you guys are married to somebody that's just slow? They get up slow, they drive slow, they talk slow, they don't move, they're slow, they're turtles.
0: I'm that person, that's yeah, me,
1: right? I'm the turtle. So you can be in Disney World, but the fast person's over here, but the slow person's over here. How many of you guys know that there is cheap people and expensive people, right? You're married to an expensive person, but you're a cheap. That's a value clash, and y'all are fighting about money, but you're really fighting about value. And you can go to Disney World and be cheap, or you can go to Disney World and be expensive. It's up to you. So you can be at the same place with the same vision with different values. So what would it look like to have a common value? What does it mean to have a why? You know, what does it mean to have our values rooted in Scripture? We're going to talk about our first value today, which uh, Timothy helps us lead, and then. In the next week, we're actually going to have all volunteer leaders here at the church talking. And um, I just think that values are a conversation. And we might do it every July. Like, I don't think this is a conclusion. This is a conversation. It's a dialogue, not a decision. It's like, let's talk about this thing we clearly see in Scripture. And let's try and leave the room sharper about what it is. And so there's five values. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. They're based on the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And they're all rooted right here in Acts chapter 2, the first Family of Jesus, the first family of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna read the scripture. I'm gonna point out these values, and uh, me and Timothy are gonna to get to yap And We're gonna have like a little talk show, the Ollie and Timmy show today. It's
0: gonna to be awesome. One of
1: those little coffee mugs that say Ollie and Timmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be Jimmy Fallon, you I'll call can my be somebody else. Call my mom. I'll be like, hey mom, I'm uh, on so you know, the Timmy and Ollie show. <laughs> have little bits. Acts two forty two. We know that the early church had values because of the second word in the passage. Listen. They devoted themselves to such and such. You go to Webster and you look up devoted. Devoted can't be explained without the presence of something divine. He says divinity is part of devotion. Why? Because devotion means you do it if it's successful or not. Devotion means you do it when it's easy and when it's not. Devotion means you do it on purpose and not on accident. Devotion means that it's rooted in something bigger and higher And longer and further and wider than you. Do you have a devotion in your life? Do you have a value that's bigger than you? That's more important that you could die for. What does Martin Luther King say, right? Like, unless you're ready to die for something, you're not ready to live for anything. And so, like, so this is what we see in the scriptures. It's like the first church lived in such a way that come what may, whatever the circumstance would be, they wouldn't be predicated based on what happened to them. They would, they would live their lives out of what they valued, like what they thought was most important, on purpose, not an accident. No matter come what may, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, made money, lost money, offended or promoted, uh, killed, burned at the stake. It didn't matter. They were devoted. They were decided ahead of time. And that's part of part of part of what we we go after here. You know, at, at, at church and, and at city lights, part of the mission statement is to be devoted to these things, to building family. All right, so they devoted themselves. And then I have some underlined words that we're going to see the values in to, to teaching. So one of the things we'll talk about in a few weeks is that they were devoted to the word and not the world. So when we, when we come to the scriptures, the, the decision to make is, is my world telling me the truth or is the scripture? Because they'll say two different things. So every day I'm devoted to this practice. I choose the word. Like I'm going to put my family and my decisions and my future on this thing even if I lose, especially when I lose, especially when I'm confused. They were devoted to teaching. Number two, they were devoted to fellowship. And these will all be up on the screen. I love if everybody, all one, two, three, took their snapshot. They were devoted to fellowship, meaning they were devoted to the we and not just the me. Did you know in some cultures, there isn't a word for the word me or mine? There's only ours. And Jesus had, like I call it, I used to tell the youth group, it was his birthday wish prayer. His last prayer to the father, that they would be one, that they would operate as a single body. Matt's going to come up next week. We're going to talk about what it meant to be having everything in common and no need among them, to be a need-free zone. Two, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Three, uh, everyone was filled with awe and wonder. As signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold their property and possessions. And the third root word here is to give. The third value we'll talk about later. Sheila Dotson will be up. We'll talk about ministry. Ministry is this life that says, you know what? Whether I get anything out of this or not, I'm giving without strings attached. I heard a great, great quote one time. He says, we don't love people. If we're, if we're part of the church and we know Jesus Christ and we anchor or we devote ourselves to him, then we don't love people to make people Christian. We love people because we're Christian. So what does it look like to give just to give? And the world will continually impress on us that it's time to give so that we can get. Let's invest. Let's do this thing because I'm going to give and get. And and there's this beautiful picture in the scripture that because of somehow the Pentecost Holy Spirit visited them in such a deep way, they said, you know what, I'm going to give and I don't really care what happens. I'm devoted to giving. I'm devoted. I've I've, I've decided in my heart ahead of time, even when it's tough, even when I'm behind on my bills, I'm a giver. I'm not a taker. I'm giving. Lastly, uh, or no, Four forty-seven. this is what we'll talk about today. They praised God. They had this sense of thankfulness that God was good. And and, and because God is a good giver and he gives life, that life was good as well. It wasn't just like, oh, life stinks and God is good. No, God is good and life is good. Because God is good and he's in my midst, then my day is a get-to, not a have-to. And that's what we'll talk about today. And lastly, numbers were added. And uh, Andre will come up and we'll talk about why it's important that every family member in the body of Christ is a missionary. There's no such thing as a member that's not a missionary. Every member is a missionary. Every disciple is a missionary. A disciple is a missionary or they are a liar is a quote that I've heard. I think that's really sharp and good to talk about. All right, here it is. Y'all ready? Drum roll. Um, Matter of fact, get all the values up. Can we get worship fellowship, all of them up? Let's all take a picture. One, two, three. Everybody take a picture that cares. This is an open notes test. You can have these notes out later. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism, and uh, we'll actually put them in a different order next week and um, see if we can unscramble them. All right, this is our first value, and me and Timothy are going to talk for a little while about this. The big thing that I want you to know is coming up in ten seconds. This is—I'm just going to make—we're going to make one single point, and then we're going to talk about it. Worship tells us, and this is how we want to talk about it at City Lights is that Paul talks about if we could get an unveiled picture of who God is, we don't actually have being problems, we have seeing problems. We don't see how good he is. We don't, we don't see how good and great God is. And that is the only problem we have. That's not just one of the problems. Worship is our problem. We don't have money problems and sex problems and marriage problems and, and, and money problems. No, no, we have worship problems. We don't see how good he is. And what happens out of that, this isn't just about songs, although we are going to talk about why we sing for half of the service, service of every, you know, we're joining with, with, with billions around the world right now that have decided to spend an hour probably of worship in the Christian church. So that's important. But, but when we don't see uh, how good and big and great God is, then everything downstream of that is all distorted. Everything's messed up. Everything's in shambles when we get that wrong. When we misinterpret the goodness of God, which is the linchpin of all good theology, is that God is good. Somebody said all the time. <laughs> then we 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 live and we become incarcerated by this problem of the half-to life. We live in this place where I just got to survive. I I gotta go and do this. I gotta go and do that. I need to go and do this. I guess I should do that. I'll try and go to this. We live in this place of obligation and that's all we'll ever have. That's all we'll ever be. We'll always be in this have to place. But if we were to get a glimpse, and we're going to talk about that as our opening question today, of the goodness of God, that God that that God is bigger than my problem and he's better than my idol. If I could get a picture of clarity on that, that he's bigger than my problem and better than my idol, then all of my life is an open door of opportunity. My whole life is a gift. If he's not good, my life is a paycheck. I got to go work it. I got to go hustle. I got to go take it. I got to go be it. I got to go earn it. I got to go prove it. I got to go make it happen if God is not good. But if God is good, man, if he's good, we got a chance down here. We have a choice. We have an opportunity. We have an amazing, amazing day, amazing opportunity, a a get-to response in our life. Do you live in a have-to or get-to? How much of your life is in the have to and the get to? Let's open up today. Timothy, tell me about uh, which one of these words um, in the have to versus the get to column stick out to you. And you guys think about this as well uh, as, as you kind of process here. Um, which one of these words sticks out to you in this season as, as, as the, the lie or the counterfeit mm-hmm. that would try and speak to your heart as a person, as a worship leader, as a person Which one of these have-to lives? The have-to life looks like the fear, Mm -hmm. worry, regret, weariness, slavery, pride, powerlessness, religion, duty, entitlement. This is what happens when God leaves the room. Which he doesn't leave the room, but when I I am blinded to his presence. This is what happens. Which one of these uh, sticks out to you and why?
0: I mean, probably the first one, just fear. Um, I I think as you were talking, I, I started thinking about um, part of the issue that that leads us into this half-to place is, is mistrust. Mm. I no longer trust what he says. Um, I I don't understand his his values. I don't understand his his what he says about me. His perspective of my life, and so I become fearful. Um, all these words you could attribute back to the, the garden with Adam and Eve, right? Like when they first sin, like there's this moment of fear. Yeah, I'm going to go hide. I'm going to cover my nakedness because I don't I don't trust you anymore, for no reason. So the first one is fear. Um, regret, I think shame, you know, uh, the past that we've lived, the sins that we've committed, the, the background we have. We just feel like I don't belong here. I'm here because it says that I'm supposed to be here, but I don't feel like I have a seat. I feel like I'm just supposed to stand in the back and, uh, I don't know, just sort of go through the motions because that's what he wants me to do, but I don't know if he really wants me here. It's mm-hmm. sort of just... Which would also fall into religion. I think those are probably the three biggest words is, is fear, regret, and religion. It's just something mm-hmm. that is commanded, but I don't know why. Um, it's something that I'm told to do, but I, but I don't necessarily enjoy it, or I don't like it, or I don't feel like I'm uncomfortable in it. Yeah. Um, I think those, when it comes to have to, I think those are probably three of the biggest things I've seen in my life that lead me to that, that have to life.
1: Let's look at the, the get to section. Let's all look at the get to section as well as, as you're processing in your seat, but what is it about the goodness of God in your own story? And we all have different stories that maybe because of his grace, he would change the narrative. Yeah. What is it about like if we, you know, we, we never have the clearest picture. Like even Paul says we have an we have a veiled glimpse of who he is. And it's mm. we, we try and push forward and press in to try and, you know, command our soul. The, the psalm says, you know, that many of the scripture says commands us to sing and clap our hands like like we are working uphill for this thing. We've got to try and get a picture and remember and confess to ourselves continually who he is in our life. What about the grace of God has has that power to you to open up that door and allow us to live in this in this get-to place with him, if we call yeah. it that?
0: I mean, it's just those two words, confident and bold. I mean, I remember there was a time when I was going through a worship program and, and we had to do this exercise exercise. And uh, Aaron Keyes had had told us, he said, Hey, I want you to take 10 minutes. I want you to listen and write down to every lie you've ever heard about yourself. And it was this super daunting exercise. It's like, Is this guy a pastor? I'll be back in uh, four minutes. Somebody call this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I did. And a lot of those words came out, you know, things that I heard about myself that I believed. But then he said, the next 10 minutes, I want you to listen to the Lord and what the Lord says to those words. I remember that seeing those two words on that sheet of paper was confident and bold that we can enter boldly into the presence of God because of Jesus. I remember you and I talking yesterday about worship and how our worship, our broken worship, is made perfect because Jesus is representing it Mm. to the Father. Mm. And that's like, if Jesus is the one who's making, if he's making my song sound good, then dude, I can do whatever I want. You know, my worship can be as broken, as fallen, as messed up because he's the one representing it. And so I have this confidence. I have this boldness to enter into his presence and worship. So those would be my two words.
1: Yeah. Um, we're talking about, obviously, beholding, beholding meaning to see. And, uh, and, and again, if I could just pinpoint just the one single thing today that, that we're talking about is if, if God is big, then my problems are small. And, and, and the issue is, I think, for the half to life is that God has become small. The reason why I fear is because God is too small. That's okay, it's an, it's an invitation to write it down and realize how much bigger he is. Yeah. You know, like there's a, there's a passage in scripture we all know where, where the waves begin to crash around the disciples' boat and then Jesus walks out on the waves. But three verses before that, we're reminded, like he told them to go out in the waves. Yeah. What if God isn't afraid of you finding fear? What if, what if finding fear is an invitation to find out he's bigger than fear? Yeah. What if that's the gift? What if the devil overplayed his hand so to speak, in the poker game, so that he, he put something in front of you to make you doubt God. But God had the upper hand knowing that if he revealed himself in light of that thing, you would find he was bigger than the thing that you needed him for. I had a, um, and this is a small moment, so I just, I picked something small and silly just to not make everything, you know, of, of large proportion. Because I think every moment, right, if you think about this, we're constantly in this dichotomous battle. Like, will I choose that he's bigger than my problem and better than my idol, or is he smaller than my problem and lesser than my idol? It's that. It's that simple. <clears throat> it's that black and white. Um, we're on vacation. I've got a level seven sunburn on my back. Um, um, vacations, they they look peaceful, <clears throat> and then you have kids. There's a great Jim Gaffigan joke. Do you ever hear this one where he says, uh, if you ever wonder what it's like to have four kids, just imagine that you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> <clears throat> and, uh, and, and so it never, like, maybe it's me. The nostalgia of looking at last year's vacation always has you, like, excited about the next one. And then you're like, oh, wait, some of this is chaos. There's a lot of work on vacation, I'm just trying to say. So... One of the things that we always do is I'll go and grill the biggest steak I can find. I'll go down to that little mom-and-pop-grandma store. is the only thing on the island at Tybee. And I'll be like, where is the biggest possible steak that you have? That's a small pleasure. And so, uh, so I get that thing. And last year, I, like, I, I burned my fingertips off because I'm like, charcoal as for something that should be flammable is not as flammable as it needs to be. We're, let's, I mean, we're, we need to move on. So we had the gas grill this year. I'm just in my zone. There's just smoke coming out, and there's just a moment that I'm having with burgers and the steak, and we're all... And, and it's like, I feel like I'm getting back to my roots. Like, I don't chop a lot of trees. I have a really nice lawnmower, which makes it really not very manual labor at all, and that's about the extent, my cap, of what I do, but this is a manly event for me, and I get, I get the burgers, and you get... And you just... You want every... This is what you want. You want everybody just to fold their little hands and pray, and then, and then you just say amen, and the food is just right, and it just smell, and everybody's so happy, and then you open up your eyes, and kids are screaming, and everyone's running everywhere. House and is I, on fire. And I, also, yeah. and I try to put my earphones on. I'm, like, I'm trying to put my dad, you know, like because I, I know how to work. I, I type, and I do all sorts of stuff when the kids are going crazy. Yeah, I'm a, I, I got the dad mufflers on. This, they were not working. i like, hey! He went, he had somebody some toy that somebody took in the middle of the thing. <laughs> He's throwing the mashed potatoes everywhere, and I'm like, oh, and then the steak is like sitting there and it's getting cold and it just did not work out. And so, and so, like I'm i y'all are more spiritual than me. This wouldn't have moved you out of worship. This wouldn't have moved you into the have-to place, but it did for me, okay? It put me in the place of shame and doubt and all those negative words up there. And I was not happy. And so, um and so and so it's like these little moments. And so the fast forward is, God is so good. He's good all the time. And it's not just like optimism. It's not like Pollyannic, like just roll your sleeves up. No, like he really is good. And, his, and, and the life that he gives us is good. And so it just becomes a treasure hunt then. Like, what are you going to do next? Because I know that you're good. Like, I have already decided you're bigger and better. I've decided you're bigger than my problem. I've decided you're better than, better than my idol. So I want to know. Like... You're better than this steak. And so it's like, and I don't, and so this doesn't always happen, but I I just, I made a note because like, I go back to the the room. Ollie's an extrovert. Y'all extroverts, y'all, y'all, whew. I just get tired of how early, y'all get up early because y'all just want to be with people. I'm like, just let me get my Kindle and let me go away for a little while. And so Ollie's a little baby extrovert. And so he sleeps for four hours a night and he goes, he has has car epilepsy. You know what that is? That's called you fall asleep every time you drive anywhere because you need to sleep more. That's, called, that's what that is. I've diagnosed it, prognosed it. So uh, he goes in the back room. We're 30 minutes out from this and My steak's done. I, I get no steak. There's no steak. The whole vacation is done. It's over. There's no more steak. It's cold. And he says, Dad, I want to hug you. And... Uh, and we move fast, you know what I mean? Like my family moves fast. I don't get to do, you know, we don't do, I don't do bedtimes like that, like the way we had with one kid every time. And he just falls asleep on my chest. And that's what life's about. And, and so I, I wonder, like with, with, with some of this language we're talking about, I wonder how much of our life on a day-to-day basis, because we forfeit the worship of God, the have to of our life completely dominates the entirety of our life, so all of the get-tos are lost. So all of the moments are lost because the thing didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, because the dinner didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen, because... Ultimately, not because of the problem, but because of my understanding of the presence of God, because I believe that that problem made God not good anymore. And obviously, I'm talking about silly, silly stuff just to be silly and light. But there are big problems that some of us are walking into this room with. And because we have allowed our life to be problem-centered rather than presence-centered, because we have allowed our life to allow the problem of our life to become bigger than the presence of God in our life, not only do we do lose relationship with God, but our entire life becomes a monotonous, mundane, enslaved, pointless, purposeless, survival mode, tooth and, you know, nail, you know, nickel and dime, you know, orphaned, you know, scrap for what I can get life. We entirely miss the get to moments of life. If God is good, if he says that he's good and he's bigger than every problem, then every moment of our life is an opportunity, not an obstacle. Every moment of our life is a gift and not a paycheck. Every moment of our life. And you think about, I mean, if you have kids or you don't have kids, like every moment is a sweet mercy from Jesus Christ. That's why he came. That's why he delivered it. That's why he came here to, to, like you said, make our worship perfect and make no more separation between us. Because he had a vision for our life to never be in the place of slavery, but always to be in the place of son. To always to be in the place of daughter. What does it look like to insist in a church, in a group, in a community to say, you can have a worry-free culture. You can have a get-to culture, a culture that, that insists that God is good in every single moment, in every single day, in every single situation. And so it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when will God deliver his goodness in my life. I know the character of God is good. I know that, I know that because the character of God is good, that my life is good and everything that I have around me is a gift. That's a question that I have for us and we're going to get into the musical part here in a second. But I, the first question I just had for you is, is that question. If you looked at the, at, the, at the list of words that are on that screen up there and you reflected in your heart, how much of your life is dominated by the half, top half and how much is dominated by the bottom half? Because they can't coexist. Fear and love cannot coexist. Worry and worship cannot coexist. Now, faith and fear cannot coexist. Every decision, every moment that you buy in and choose into the narrative, or we choose into the narrative, of God is small and my problem is big, is a moment lost. That's a moment that we were not created for. That was a moment that God tried to give us a gift, and we left it under the tree. It's a moment of grace that we missed. It's a moment with our child, with our spouse, with our friend, with our neighbor, that we decided to not worship. We made the choice to not worship. We had an opportunity, and we decided not to. It's a a powerful opportunity, but it's also, um, you know, a dangerous one in the sense that we could totally miss it. Let's talk about music, because obviously worship is more than just a song. Uh, but we do sing a lot, and God commands us to sing both in the Old and the New Testament. Large chunks of the Bible um, are songs. Um, most of the things we remember on any given Sunday morning or worship environment are the songs and not the sermons. Songs are important. You've preached several great sermons, in my opinion, on just what you think about songs. But just give us uh, a little bit of, a, a, of a input from, from your perspective and your story on why you think songs are important. And why do you think music is God's gift to the church? He could have chosen, I don't know, juggling. I don't know what he would choose, cornhole. Like, he could have chosen any activity. And he's like, songs. Let us worship the Lord. What's going on? What's going on with, like, I command you to sing? Like, there's several commands. What's that about?
0: Yeah. Well, I have a really funny story to tell about that. Um, So, as a lot of you know, I've, I've been leading worship since I was, like, 13 for some God only knows reason. But... There was a lot of really funny moments when I was 13 that I remember. Um, I remember my, as this morning, I remember my voice cracking in the middle of songs and being like, bah! in the middle of youth group worship. I remember strings breaking. I remember like knocking over an entire keyboard at some point. And there's so many crazy stories, but there's one story I remember where, anybody know Delirious in here, the group Delirious worship group? Yeah, okay. There's some, some real worshipers out there. Just that English accent. We're going to lift a shout of praise. Listen, I didn't know what worship... Worship can break down walls. Come I didn't on. know what worship was until I heard Delirious. Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. And um, they had this one... I was late, but I got it. Did you get Yeah, I got it. I was late, um, yeah. There, there's this one song, you guys might know, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? It's a good one. Right? You got that acoustic guitar. Key of C. High. High C. Yeah. It's a jam. And I remember when I first heard it, I was 13, and I was like that's it we have to do this at youth group it's all over and now. it was me and like other like 14 13 year olds doing worship band mm. worship band meaning not nearly as impressive as this is it's like a little casio keyboard and you know all that good stuff mm. and anyways we get up there and there's like we're about to start in like 2 minutes and i'm playing my guitar and i'm like man i'm so out of tune right now and instead of going to the electric piano and saying hey let me tune to your piano i go to the other 13 year old bass player and say hey let me tune to your bass
1: yeah that's a 13-year-old Which musicians
0: in here will know, like...
1: 23-year-old Timothy doesn't do that Tunings,
0: anymore. Tuning's a big deal. Like, you have to be in tune, or else it's going to sound really weird. Yep. So I go around and tune to him. And then the electric guy's like, oh, well, Timothy, let me tune to you. There's also, like, bumping music in the background. Sure. Bum, 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 bum. So I can't even really hear it. So all three of us are tuning to something.
1: Taylor's like, I never did that,
0: bro. <laughs> I mean, you're out in the
1: limb. Taylor's always one, had that tuner pedal. No. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> and the keyboard guy... It's just like, what are you guys doing? Why don't you come over here? And I'm like, dude, I got it. I'm fine. Like, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it starts out with just thing. I'm playing thing. We're going, did you feel the... Everybody's feeling it. You know, the drums are in, kicking. It's feeling really great. And you all know, if you know that song, it goes... There's like two huge chords, Oh, right? that's my
1: jam. Both hands up on that one. You would
0: have thought... I'm pretty sure people sat down at this point, because it was like, everybody's vibing. And the drummer's just like, no, no. People are walking out. Yeah. Yeah, people are like, what? And I mean, I did the entire song. Yeah. Just.
1: (laughs) Off. I'm
0: so insecure, you know? Y'all off key. Why y'all? Yeah, I'm looking around like, what are you guys doing? And the keyboard, he's just like. Get on the right key, bro. He's just ashamed (laughs) of all of us. And I just remember he was. And afterwards, he was like, you guys are idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 13, it's the end of my life, you know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm done. My career is over, yeah, you yeah. know, as I go back to eighth grade or whatever. <laughs> Anyways, I tell that story because, you know, we, and we were talking about, you know, using this analogy yesterday. But, like, worship and music are very much in, tied in because I, I think, like, a lot of times we can – I heard Aaron Keyes, speaking. Of Aaron Keys. I said it, he said it one time. He said people walk away remembering lyrics to a song most yeah. of the time before they remember a you know sermon slide or a quote because it's it's music. You know it's rhythmic. It gets stuck in your head. I hate that song Old Town Road right now because it's always in my head. I don't want to take my horse anywhere. I don't I don't, I'm, I don't, I don't care. I, I'm it's okay, man, I'm, I'm no. with you. Um, but anyways, the music gets stuck in here. It's wrapped up in your mind, and that moment is stuck in my mind, messing that song up. Honestly just because I messed up, but second of all that song's incredible and I right. love that song. Right. And music I think there's something about that's memorable because there's something about that that cadence and that tone and that rhythm that over and over again I can sit here and quote a Bible verse and after a while I'm gonna get it, but I could also listen to Sovereign Over Us and I will get that song a lot more quickly because there's just something about that rhythm that gets in your head. Mm-hmm. There's, I could sit here all day and talk about the scientific reasons why music is a big deal and, and all yeah. that stuff. But at the end of the day, I think it's a command because part one, it causes you to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, there is liturgy in the church that requires that we stand up and pray <clears throat> out loud or that we read a scripture together out loud. And I think that brings worship. But there's something about using your voice, either a good voice or a bad voice in the world's terms. Yeah surrendering that tone Mm -hmm. up to heaven that gives you this vulnerability and surrender that you wouldn't have if you just sat there and looked at the lyrics, you know? Yeah. The first time I ever sang, yeah, I'm probably an okay singer, but I remember being 12 years old and singing amazing and it wasn't good. Like Mm -hmm. it was that weird, but there was something freeing about singing that song out loud. Yeah that I wouldn't have gotten if I would have just thought about it. And I think that's a big part of why all through the Bible, like you said, it's commanded. It's like sing aloud to the Lord. There was one I read the other day that was like, play a stringed instrument unto the Lord. It's Mm -hmm. like, I can't play piano? No, you need to play the stinking guitar, man. Like... Mm-hmm. I think that's so valuable because music carries this power and this authority because it pushes you into vulnerability, mm-hmm. and it pushes you into surrender It makes you uncomfortable in a good way to encounter God in the best way and encounter His goodness. Yeah.
1: One of the lyrics I remember we were talking about at Starbucks the other day as we prepared for this was like that song where it says, um, Come thou fount, in the beginning he says, uh, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Yeah. And uh, And that just landed for me as me and Timothy were talking about this connection, like I think it's Stephanie Gretzinger, she has a song, it's like an improv deal where she says worship is connection. I think it's really powerful. Connection isn't the exchange of ideas, it's the connecting of a heart. Yeah. And, and music goes straight past the head into the heart. <clears throat> and I think what's powerful is I've come in out of tune to worship. And I don't know I'm out of tune until the worship starts. I'm not talking about like my voice. I mean, I am always out of tune on that. But I'm just <laughs> saying I can tell the words on, my, on the screen are not the words of my heart. Yeah. So what the power of that song, that lyric, tune my heart to sing thy praise, is not, hey, get on my page and make your heart feel what this song is saying. What it is saying is the Holy Spirit has invited you to ask him to tune your heart. And when you see the dissonance, the distance, the how much of God's goodness I forgot about, how much His bigness that I diminished, how much of the perspective has gotten distorted. I thought He was a taskmaster. I thought I was a slave. I thought I was just doing duty and obligation as opposed to devotion and love. When I forget those things, songs have the power to bring me back there. And I wonder if that's the prayer for us. Like, we worship when we feel like it, and especially when we don't. And what if when we come into a place like this and these songs are like, oh, man, that's super feely and I don't really feel like that. Or, man, I remember at camp one day I used to sing that song, but that's just not where I'm at anymore. What if instead of that I just opened my heart and I was commanded to sing and I sang, but I didn't just sing out of robotic monotony. What if I, my prayer was, God, would you tune my heart to sing this till I mean it? I'm going to sing this because I don't mean it, because I don't feel it until you, Holy Spirit, have done your work so that I do feel it. We worship when we feel like it. And because we don't, we have three different little like <clears throat> practical things. I want to like make sure that we we end on time. But for all these different values, we want to talk about what this looks like in the home and what this looks like in the temple. So in the Acts community, it talks about the gathered church, which is what we're doing today, and the scattered church, which is what we do on Monday through Saturday uh, in small groups and in the day-to-day life. What does it mean to worship when the music stops? What does it mean to worship when we don't have a guitar? What does it mean to worship all the time? If worship isn't just a part of life, it's all of life. If it's the getting up and laying down, the eating, the sleeping, what does it practically mean to do it? There's three things. I'll have Timothy talk about the first one, and then we'll bat around the second two. But the three things that I think can help us worship in any moment, if you want to bring worship, our words create worlds, our worship create worlds. Worship doesn't change the world, but it changes us. And we have the opportunity in every environment to choose to see him as bigger and better. What are the tools he's given us? What are the resources we have? What are the disciplines, the rhythms, the devotions that we practice on a day to day basis that allow worship to become a reality, that allow more and more of my nine to five, more and more of my 365, seven days a week to become get tos and not half tos mm-hmm. If I'm in the half to place, how do I get my heart into the get to place? What are the practical things uh, on the day to day life? The first one is scripture. Timothy's going to talk a little bit about that. What does it mean to align and tune my heart to the truth of the scriptures? The second one has to do with testimony. Our words create worlds. Adam and Eve were, 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 uh, were authorized to go and name the animals. Uh, I heard somebody say that Webster has more power than Caesar because Webster defines what words mean and words create worlds. And your words, as you speak them over your life, and you call this thing a chair, or you call this place a theater versus a place of worship, all of that matters. What you call stuff matters. What you name stuff matters. So what does it mean to testify, which doesn't just mean to get up on Sunday and say, hey, bless the Lord, hallelujah, here I have a testimony. All the time we're testifying to something. So the second one has to do with testimony. The third one has to do with prayer, and we want to talk about that. That's probably all all the time that we have, and I would love to worship on the morning that we talk about worship. Let's be quick, punctual, and brief. On these three options that we have, I think, and there's many others, of what it means to worship when the music stops. The first is Scripture. The second is testimony. The third is prayer. Timothy, take it away.
0: Yeah. I have a verse. It's a Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. Um, and we, I think we all know, like, the first part of this, but I love what um, the command is afterwards. It says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframes of your houses and on your gates. I just love that verse because uh, if you want to not just worship as in like, you know, break out the his radio every day, but, like, if you really want to see, as we've been talking about, the goodness of God all throughout your life through every circumstance and every season, you have to understand about what is in front of your eyes and what's going into your ears, right? Um, I brought up, you know, Old Town Road or whatever, and that song's silly, and who cares? But, like, at the end of the day, you know, I, I think I've grown up in a, in a generation who has looked at Pinterest or Instagram or the Bible app or um, his radio even, which is a, you know, local Christian station, and been like, oh, well, that's cheesy and corny. And it's like, sure, maybe some of it's shallow or whatever, but at the end of the day, wouldn't you rather be looking at truth than looking at what Post Malone has to say? like, Because what is Post Malone going to give you that, that Jesus can give you? You know what I'm saying? Like, so um, I think what this verse is saying is like, if you want to walk in a, in a way that is trusting unto God, not performing for him, But trusting in Him, you need to surround yourself with Him. Does that make sense? Because I can't live my life in accordance to His will or even to His favor or or what He says about me or my identity in Him if I don't even know what He sounds like or I don't even know what He looks like. Does that make sense? And there are really like practical ways that, that we've got written down here. I remember my wife. She had some phone background on her iPhone a while back. Now it's an adorable picture of my daughter, which I would vote. Everyone should, if you've seen my daughter, you should have a picture of her on your phone because she's adorable. Helps us worship. But, um, helps, yeah, yeah, I'm just like, sure. Lord, Here's this is a gift. Um, but she used to have this background. I think it was like Ephesians 5.13, but it was on there forever. And I remember being like, well, maybe she just hasn't, you know, like maybe she's not thinking about it. But I remember I would see her open her phone up, and then she would just sit there and look at it. And I thought man, I work for a stinking church. What am I doing? I've got just the standard, you know, Apple background. But that's such a, yeah. And you know, like even the Bible app has such unique ways that you can create a scripture verse on a block and set it as your wallpaper on your phone. Like that's not cheesy, man. That's like protection. That's like a a hedge of truth around your mind or around your heart. That's not corny. Like that's you following truth. So those are like simple ways, like change your phone background. You know, Mm. you want to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, change your phone background or like, Mm. For me, I'm thinking about get off Instagram. Like nothing's right. helping me on there. Like, mm. do something that's going to change the way I think, change what I see. Um, Pandora, yeah. Spotify, iTunes, guys. Like, listen to more. If
1: you're spirit filled, you listen to Pandora because it just guides you. <laughs> you don't pick. You allow the Lord to choose. That's what matters. Yeah, staff, like, like
0: just just get on a radio station and just listen to worship music, because the worship wow. music isn't there for you to like feel something. It's there to remind you constantly of truth. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to the radio. And got not only just a great song to do on Sunday, but a a song I needed right then. I heard Corey Asbury get up there and sing Reckless Love on his radio praise the other day. Emily and I both were driving in separate cars, listening to the same song at the same time. And we both got home and we got out of the car and we both had like tears on our face. And we're like, were you listening to Reckless Love? Me too. Me too. too. Me too. Because he got on there and just shared his heart, you know. And it's like that stuff affects you again. Like I could have been listening to some, I don't know, dumb podcast or something, but I didn't. You know, I chose worship. Um, Another thing on here is meditation. That's not obviously like the Buddhist meditation, kind of just sit there and hum and hope you start floating. But it's the kind of meditation that says, quiet my mind, be still. The Bible says, be still and know who I am. We have to be still first. I can't do that unless... I stop talking and turn off my phone, right? Put the headphones in, get some nice ambient worship music going on and just meditate and just talk with him, be with him. That's worship. It's you communing with God. And then the last thing is talking with other people, which we're going to kind of move into testimony with that. But how many conversations do we get in that we could be lifting up God, that we could be giving him exalting praise to another person, but instead we're being like Debbie Downers about our lives and going, man, like, poor me, poor this, poor that. Life is hard, but like we're saying, Jesus is so much better and he's so much more present in your life and he's doing so much more than the Seahawks game. You know, I hope Peter mm-hmm. Boyle's not in here because I just said that, but. He's okay. Um, he's going to be all right. Yeah. He loves him, he loves <laughs> <him>. <laughs> but, but anyways, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's so many, so many better things about God that we could be talking about and discussing and we don't, we waste our time on dumb things.
1: I'm going to be sad as a preacher that we're only going to have two points today and not three. That's Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about testimony, and I do want to worship at the very, very end. But let's just talk about testimony for a second. So testimony, um, you know, in the lawyer show when the the guy gets up there and, and gives the testimony, and then, like, the other person gives the testimony, and it's a different testimony. Testimony just means your perspective, your viewpoint, like how you saw what happened. And there's nine people, and they all saw nine things happen differently, and And so testimony is happening all the time, you know. Um, We had Jason Bordash and Ashley Crocker came up and shared incredible stories. And testimony is one of the most powerful vehicles that I think we can help other people see the goodness of God just by sharing sharing about where we are. Um, We are always testifying. When we talk about the future, we're testifying. When we talk about the present, we're testifying. When we talk about the past, we're testifying. Just a a couple thoughts I had for you. One, when you talk about the future, um, how many times, based on just from the very language we use this morning. How many times do you use the phrase, I have to go and do this? I'll try and go and do this. Or how many times do you say, I'm going to do this? I choose to do this. Those are two important stems of, 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 of a sentence, of any given sentence, and here's why. Because if God is good, and he has a good plan for your life, then you don't have to do anything. He's called you a friend and not a slave, and you, you live for an audience of one. You have one father, and you live for his approval. So you don't have to do anything. You do what you want to do. We do what we want to do. We do what we choose to do. You, I mean, I don't have to tell you, like, you don't have to go to your job tomorrow. When you say, well, I, you know, then I don't get paid. It's like, well, is there another place that you can get paid? Is there a choice that you have? Like, there are always choices. God has put choices in front of you. And so I found that people that have this understanding, this, like, not just that God's nice, but he's good and he's big. He's great. He's not just good, but he's great. People that have an understanding of the greatness of God And the installment of of his authority that he's put inside of us, they don't live from this place of victim and powerlessness. They live from this place of strength. I'm going to do this. I choose to do this. I will do this. They don't say, I'll try to do this. I might do this. I'll get around to it. I have to do this. My wife says I should do this. My sister said it is. The pastor says, no, they live from this place. No, I know God. And with that authority, I'm doing this because he told me to. I don't have to. I choose to because I'm free. It's for freedom that I'm set free. How much of your life, when you talk and prophesy, really, about the future, do you say, I have to do this versus I get to do this? I want to do this. Do you live in a want to? Think about the language. Number two, in your presence. You know, I had so many times like, oh, you got kids now. Those terrible twos are going to be awful. I'll tell you what. Boy, you're marrying the old ball and chain. Boy, say goodbye, sayonara to the old life. We're constantly talking about the goodness of life or the badness of life. We have a decision. Adam and Eve named the animals, and when they named them, that's what they were. So the power of of life and death is in the tongue. I know that that can be overused and abused, and we don't have time to get into how and why that would be or where the boundary line would be. But the the idea is your words matter. They create worlds around you. And as you listen to yourself talk, do do the words of your life testify the fact that God is good and life is good? That teenager that is in your life is a blessing from God. That, that person that works next to you, that, that gets on your nerves, is trying to teach you something. There's a process. Are you engaged with the process of what God is doing in the midst of what he's not yet done? Are you thankful for what he's doing without stumbling over what he's not yet done? As you listen to the words come out of your, your lips and out of your mouth, do they, do, they, do they have an overflow of worship that God is good and life is good, or that God is small and less than my idol? That would be a question. Number three, in the past, as we talk about uh, telling stories and, and thinking about, hey, how was your summer, as you talk about, you know, I went to the MD360 and broke my hand yesterday, and uh, I can't really, really make a fist all the way together all the way here, and I'm going to have to go to physical therapy. Like, like, there's options I have when I tell that story, you know? It, is, is it a moment that, you know, my medical bill went up, and I got to be in debt now, and I got to go and fill this out and figure this out in the credit card, or is it a moment that you have with your son? It's only two ways to look at it. Is it a moment that you see Leo from a new vantage point? From, from, from a way that you didn't before and you, you bond in a way that experiences, you know, a connection that you wouldn't have experienced without it before. However you look at it, you have to, it's not about roses, rose-colored glasses and optimism. Like, God's not afraid of the truth and he uses truth to be truly good. But the point is, is that uh, truth isn't true unless Jesus is in it, unless Jesus is the hero. The question is, you tell stories about the past. Are you the hero? Is your problem the hero? Is Jesus the hero? It's just a question to think. Let's all stand. Here's the intentional question. You might take your phone out just one more time for me. Uh, Talking about values with people around you in your life, in your small group, and we do want to close with just a few refrains of worship this morning. How is God revealing himself to me as bigger than my problem and better than my idol? How is God revealing himself to me? Your testimony matters. Your worship matters. What you call things, what you name things, the way you narrate your life, with song, with story, with word, Do you narrate to the goodness of God and the glory of God or the smallness of God and the lesserness than God? Do you narrate the goodness and the bigness of God? How is God? You have a decision today to see him well or see him uh, with, with veiled eyes. Do you see him clearly that he is good? He is revealing himself to you. He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. He has brought all good things in your path. He has used obstacles to bring opportunities. He's used sorrow to bring joy. He has used ashes to bring beauty. He is using everything in your life to bring goodness. Do you believe that in your heart of hearts? Because if you don't decide it today, someone else will decide it for you. It's too important not to have it decided beforehand. And so Jesus, we just decide ahead of time. You are good. And if I know that, if that becomes the anchor, if I know that you're good, then everything else will work itself out. But I've got to decide today for myself, for my future, for my friends, for my city, for my neighborhood. You are good. You have good intents. Your heart is good. I will not miss a moment. I will not allow a moment, a circumstance, a problem, an idol to rob me of who you are in my life. So I will come back to the character of God and declare with my heart and with my actions, you are good. May my attitudes, my testimony, my worship declare this one thing. You are good. That you are bigger than my problem.
0: Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.